The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And welcome to the show. You know how excited I am because this month we are celebrating the 20th anniversary of the signing of the Americans with Disabilities Act. And I couldn't be more excited. I just want to point out to you that I have a fantastic producer, Michael, who is always there for me and was really excited about this month also and and really letting everyone know how important the ADA is. So, Michael, great job at Voice America. Thank you for everything you do. But we have as our guest two of my all-time favorites. Yes, they are, and they were definitely there when the ADA was signed 20 years ago. So let me introduce to you two champions, and let me just say something. I know you've heard me tell this about a few different people. They're the real deal. You know what I mean when I say that. They walk the talk. They do, no matter where they are or who they're with. They are wonderful people. Former governor of of Pennsylvania, I have to add that, former governor of Pennsylvania, Dick Thornburg, who also served as the Attorney General during the Bush administration when the ADA was signed and enforced the ADA, and his wonderful wife, the First Lady of Pennsylvania, and a civil rights leader still fighting the fight at AAPD, Jenny Thornburg. Dick and Jenny, welcome to the show. Thanks, Joyce. We're glad to be here. Oh, Joyce, you're the greatest. It's an honor to be on your program. Well, you know what I'm going to do? Thank you both. But I'm going to try for our listeners throughout the world. I'm going to try. And by the way, Yoshiko, Yoshiko Dart listens to all these shows. Yoshiko, I hope when we're doing this, you can tell that we have Justin Dart's spirit with us. Amen. Um, what we're going to try to do is relive some of the history for you because, you know, a problem for many people with disabilities they don't realize we, too, have a history. We do. We, too, have a history. Um, and so that's what I'm going to try to do throughout this month. But first with you, uh, Dick, I wondered if you could give our listeners an idea of the obstacles that you and President Bush had to overcome to get the ADA signed. I know Evan Kemp compared President Bush in his speech to President Lincoln when he introduced him and said, here's a president with the political courage to support an unpopular idea. That tells me the two of you had a, had a lot to go through. Can you talk about that? It was a long pull, Joyce. Uh, and, of course, it was a great privilege for me to be designated by the president as his point man on this uh, effort. 
because, as you know, Ginny and I have a son with disability, and it was a rare opportunity to merge my personal agenda with my official agenda. So my heart was really in this effort, and I appreciate uh, so much what President Bush did to uh, accomplish our goals. There were obstacles, to be sure, and uh, I think it's probably uh, useful to divide them into two categories. One was a concern about costs. People were very much concerned in the business community that if they fulfilled the aspirations of the ADA and uh, employed more people with disabilities and made accommodations to their disabilities and putting them into the workplace, that it was going to be a back-breaking uh, cost for them. That it could be the difference between profit and loss. And there were a lot of scare tactics used by opponents of the bill to designate uh, the kinds of expense there would be. But the bill was very carefully drafted to make sure that uh, only reasonable expenditures were required and uh, that if they were uh, uh, too expensive, that they were not uh, mandated by the Act. And interestingly enough, uh, former Attorney General Janet Reno and I, five years after the Act was uh, uh, signed into law, undertook a study to uh, see what those costs were, and they were minimal in most cases. In almost every case, they were minimal. But that was a big concern at the time. People were very much... uh, uh, fearful of uh, having to undertake major alterations in buildings and transit systems and the like uh, and at great expense. But the second uh, obstacle we overcome was really a political one. <clears throat> at the time, the Supreme Court had handed out five decisions that were uh, limiting uh, the civil rights acts that had been enacted during the 1960s. And uh, in some of those uh, cases, they had struck down uh, what really amounted to quotas in hiring uh, for minorities. And uh, that was on the agenda as well at the same time. And when the, when the ADA came along, there were a lot of uh, uh, people on the Hill in the, in the Congress who were concerned that this was a quota bill. <clears throat> well, I remember President Bush and I had to... Uh, uh, calm those fears by saying to our fellow Republicans, for example, look, this is a Republican bill. This is designed to empower people and to uh, give them the opportunity to contribute uh, through uh, employment and better living conditions and the like. It is not a quota bill. And I think that was uh, important to point out that this was a different kind of civil rights legislation that there should be no fear about. So those two hurdles were probably the biggest uh, obstacles we had to overcome, and thank heavens uh, we were successful. Well, thanks heavens is right. But why I said that is, you know, sometimes people don't realize what President Bush went through. I mean, <clears throat> he could have, you know, he could have just caved in. There was a lot, a lot of political, just as Evan Kim said, a lot of political yep. pressure. But he did uh, stay the way, and I will tell you that you know he didn't give up. Um, until this was done, and I yep. thank you, President Bush, and think so highly of you. He was resolute. He stuck to his guns, and uh, the result was we got a very good piece of, a very important piece of civil rights legislation for 54 million Americans. Yes. Well, Dick and Jenny, <clears throat> Jenny, we'll start with you this time. How about both of you? Could you just, like, relive that day for us, what it was like, the weather, the amount of people? You know, just 
any things that you remember that day that really stood out to you? Because, unfortunately, there are so many millions of people with disabilities. We hear about it, but, of course, we weren't there. I wonder if you two could do that for us. We'll start with you, Jenny. Well, I'm so glad you mentioned Yoshika and Justin's names in your introduction because we owe so much to that pair of Americans. Uh, they had visited every state in the Union a minimum of five times, and they were there uh, helping the grassroots organize and say, this is about you. This isn't about Washington, D.C. This is about your children and our grandchildren, and this is the rights that we uh, are pursuing. And Justin used to, when he did this, he would call us all patriots, and I can just see him in that great Texas hat uh, in transport, often in very difficult small planes for him. And um, it was because of all the groundwork, years of groundwork uh, laid by Justin and Yoshika and many, many others that we came to this day and the work that obviously Dick helped do. Um, I was so excited that day, uh, um, Joyce, I, I didn't sleep well because I didn't so concerned about the weather. The White House initially had proposed that the signing ceremony would be inside in one of the small, elegant rooms. And we, uh, the folks, said, no way. We want everybody to be included. We want this to be a grassroots event. Of course, there were many important senators and House members and, and leaders there, but we also wanted the people there, the real people there. And the only way to accommodate that was to have it outside. And that was a, I really credit the White House because that was a risky thing. It could have been uh, rain. It could have been blazing sun. Instead, it was a warm day, but a day that was glorious. Uh, we had water stations, we had ambulances, we had, of course, tremendous security, as you remember, Joyce. Everybody came, who came in with their strollers or their wheelchairs or their uh, whatever accommodation, oxygen that they needed had to be um, passed through appropriate security. And I can just, I was a greeter uh, at the fence, and I could just see streams and streams and streams of people coming in, and way before the event, people coming in. It was, it was coming, it was just so filled with joy and hope, Joyce. That's what um, you felt there. After the um, ceremony itself, um, and it was there was a stage. So the president and Evan Kemp, as you um, and Mrs. Bush, of course, and Evan Kemp and Harold Wilkie, um, Reverend Wilkie, who gave the blessing, and the vice president was on this same stage as was Sandy Perino, who headed up the National Disability Council. Um, we could all hear very well. It was a, uh, I don't know how they did the sound system because it was wonderful quiet during these moments. And then we all were invited to a picnic given by Justin and Yoshika at a park quite nearby, maybe a quarter of a mile away. So we were allowed to continue our excitement and congratulate each other on, on what had happened. What a beautiful story that is. 
I, I feel like I'm there when I'm hearing you tell that. <laughs> As you recall, my accident was in 1985. All of my listeners know I'm a woman living with epilepsy. But I, re- I although I started doing volunteer work in the late 80s, I did not uh, start Bender Consulting until 1995, just a few years after that law was implemented. So think about how unbelievable Highmark is that they stood behind me, Dick. Well, you're one of the ones that made the act work, uh, Joyce. Uh, I think that's important to recognize, something you should be very proud of, because merely enacting a statute doesn't uh, accomplish the goal. It's the implementation of that statute, the enforcement of the statute, and having uh, people of goodwill who are willing to go into the trenches and see on a day-to-day basis that uh, people with disabilities actually benefit from uh, these programs. That's what it takes, and you're one of the champions in that regard. And you're resolute, Joyce. You are not going to go away, and you are not going to stop doing what is right, seeing that people have the fair chance to be employed and employed at the level um, that they deserve to be. And that's one of the many reasons Dick and I admire you so much is your strength, your internal strength, and you pass that on to the rest of us, and we're very grateful for that. We're for you, Joyce. Well, I'll tell you what there, Dick, that means so. <laughs> what a great compliment coming from the two of you. And Let me tell you, you something know, a, if you a little bit more about that day, July 26, 1990, because yes. uh, I remember it so vividly. In fact, I don't think anybody there will ever forget that day. And there were, by best estimates, about 3,000 people there, many with disabilities, and many, of course, involved in advocacy groups, many family members, and uh, caregivers and the like, and it was a, it was quite a, a, a sizable crowd on a day that, as Jenny said, was absolutely glorious. The sky was blue, the sun was out, and it really was an inspiration. But I remember one thing in particular. At the end of the ceremony, the president, as he does whenever he signs a bill, passes out ceremonial signing pens, and he gave one to Justin Dart and one to Evan Kemp and one to Sandy Perino and one to uh, Vice President Quayle, uh, and he gave one to Harold Wilkie, who was the minister who had been there to deliver a blessing, and Ginny will tell you more about that. But <clears throat> Harold got his by uh, uh, lifting his foot up. He, he had no arms, and he grabbed this pen, and he, and he said, Give it to Ginny Thornburg. <laughs> so... Later, down the president came, and and Jenny got the pen uh, that Harold was kind enough to honor her with. So we still have that, and it's a a real keepsake. Oh, what a thing. What a story that is. That is such a great story. Well, hold on for a minute. I think we have a caller on the line. Uh, Do we have a caller on the line, Michael? Hello. Okay. Joan? Hi, Joyce. Hi, Dick hey, and Jenny. Joan, how are you? We, we're, we're great here in Pittsburgh, and we're even greater hearing two of the most incredible champions in the world on disability issues, Dick and Jenny Thornburg. They are. John are Stein, they blessings yes, to you. Yes. They are talking about, as you know, the uh, day that they were at when the ADA was signed. It's yes. a law. Yes. Yes. Do you have a question for them? Well, no, actually, I, yes, I do. Dick, as yes. in, in, in 
I don't want to put you on the spot, but as the former Attorney General who was uh, responsible for putting into effect at the fastest rate of speed I've ever seen in my lifetime the regulations for the Civil, for the Civil Rights Act, do you have any sense of any surprise announcements that might be made on the 26th um, by the Justice Department or the EEOC about maybe the Amendments Act or the um, adoption of the 2004 guidelines that were uh, created by the Access Board? I don't have any uh, insight. You've uh, properly identified what should be on their agenda, and I hope and expect that there will be a very aggressive uh, stance taken by this Department of Justice to see that uh, the agenda that uh, clearly is unfinished is, is pushed through to completion. One of the things I think that we particularly are concerned about, uh, and I think the disability community is concerned about, is uh, the access of people with disabilities to uh, living in the community. Uh, one of the great frustrations, uh, <clears throat> I remember back when I was the governor of Pennsylvania, we had these massive institutions yes. where people with uh, particularly mental or psychiatric or intellectual disabilities were really warehoused. And one of the accomplishments uh, of our administration was to reverse that trend and end up with uh, a substantial reduction of, of those persons who required treatment or care in a facility, in a institution and placing them in the community. But there's always a shortage of uh, both facilities and personnel in that area, and I know that's one of the top concerns of advocates in the disability community now. So uh, who knows? Perhaps some of these uh, uh, unfinished items on the agenda will be uh, 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 latched on to uh, on the 26th, and uh, we'll have some announcements. But I don't, I don't have any particular insights, Joan. So I couldn't really guarantee anything. Yeah, yeah, and and because particularly with what we're finding in the built environment is with the access board finalizing their guidelines in 2004, they have not been adopted yet. It's been a long time. It's a long time, (laughs) and unfortunately there are a lot of people who have believed since 2004 that because those were the newer and, you know, latest and greatest, that those guidelines should have been followed as enforceable standards. Well, there are a lot of people uh, out there, mercifully, who... Uh, are not waiting for them to be promulgated. They're really using them as guidelines. But you're right. I mean, they really ought to be on the books, and they ought to be uh, enforceable. So let's keep our fingers crossed. Absolutely. Amen. Good to talk to you, Joan. You too. Take care. Joan, Joan, thank you for calling in, Joan. Absolutely. Thank you so much. As we are talking about that day, there's something I was just talking about this earlier today and I don't think we've had many presidential bill signings with a blessing. Is that right, Jenny? Well, I say, and I hope it's not false, that there has never been uh, an, a bill signing uh, with a blessing. And I'm willing to have anybody research that um, because when Dick had this very important role and I was in the community helping move this piece of legislation along and it finally was given a date when the bill was going to be signed I said to Dick uh, Dick who's going to give the prayer that day 
And Dick said, oh, honey, you know, if you don't have a prayer in a, in a governmental uh, um, setting like this. And I said, well, we need something that shows that this comes from the hearts and souls and deeply felt feelings of the, of the people of this community, the disability community. Um, could you ask the White House if something like a blessing could be done. Well, sure enough, a couple of weeks later, he got back to me and said, you know, they've agreed to, they can't give a prayer, but they've agreed to give a blessing. And so I had been a friend of the Reverend Harold Wilkie, whom Dick has just described, who was a United Church of Christ pastor, theologian, army chaplain, just a phenomenal man who his armlessness was just uh, an asset for him. He uh, could empathize, but he was powerful and did all the things that you and I do, Joyce, he did with his feet. He did with a sock carefully put over his foot. And the sock place between the big toe and the second toe was how he held a pen or uh, a goblet. And he was a magnificent, smart, caring, interfaith man. Truly and amazing. He, and he, pardon me, sweet? I said the man was truly amazing. He put you so much at <laughs> ease in spite of this visible and serious disability that within a couple of minutes of talking to him, you forgot that he had no arms. <laughs> That's right. So he, um, I, he had been my mentor, Joyce, teaching me how to help congregations become more hospitable and welcoming. And I suggested him uh, at, through Dick to the White House, and they agreed. And so Reverend Wilkie Joyce, this phenomenal uh, man wrote a prayer, uh, excuse me, a blessing, and it was five minutes in length because, you know, this was the pinnacle, really, of his professional career to offer this, uh, these words. And the White House got back and said it had to be 58 seconds long. Uh -oh. Not five minutes, 58 uh -oh. seconds. So Harold and I on the telephone back and forth went over each line and I'd say, well, could this line be cut? He said, you can't cut that line. You can't cut. <laughs> well, sure enough, he did uh, compromise. And I think the prayer, the blessing that was given that day is one of the finest um, I have ever heard in my life about our rights, about the rights of the American people. And um, it's a totally interfaith um, blessing so that, uh, you have a sense that we, as a great nation, are being called upon. Um, and with your permission, I, I, I just happen to have a copy in front of me, Joyce. Well, uh, I was hoping you would, and I, yeah, and, I'd like you to read that, Jenny. And by the way, I have it also as an, um, I could send it as an email attachment to any of your listeners uh, who would like it, a copy of it. It's, it's uh, that powerful. Oh, it is um, powerful. You know what, Jenny? Why don't you send that to also not just to voiceamerica.com, but to send it to benderconsult.com so we mm -hmm. can all put it out there for the 20th anniversary. Good. Uh, Bender, I'll do that yeah, today. Go, go yep. ahead. We'd love to hear it. And so he was the first speaker um, at the event. You can imagine this stage on this beautiful, beautiful day. And he... 
uh, is a very distinguished man, white hair at this point, and had a clerical collar on. And he began this way. Let my people go, was your decree, O God, commanding that all your children be freed from the bonds of slavery. Today, we celebrate the breaking of the chains which have held back millions of Americans with disability. Today, we celebrate the granting to them of full citizenship and access to the promised land of work, service, and community. Bless this gathering, this joyous celebration. Bless our president as he signs the Americans with Disability Act and strengthen our resolve as we take up the task, knowing that our work has just begun. Bless the American people and move them to discard those old beliefs and attitudes that limit and diminish those among us with disabilities. Our prayer is in your name, O God, whom we call by many names, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Allah, the compassionate and merciful one, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and of Rebecca and Sarah and Ruth, the ground of all being, the infinite source of love and light. 58 seconds on that the money. That is so powerful. You know what? I'm listening to that. I'm thinking, well, like he said, that prayer. He gave some of us that resolve. But mm-hmm. now we've got to work on that attitudinal barrier you read about. <laughs> yeah, that that is my favorite line. Strengthen our resolve. Yeah, that is a beautiful yeah. prayer. Mm-hmm. Now, okay, so Jenny is going to send this to me. And I'll put it out on our site if any of you would like to read it or have like to have access to it because I just think that's so beautiful. First of yep. all, it's so powerful, but I think that's so beautiful. And, wow, it was right on the mark. <laughs> you know, if you would hear me speaking, yeah. I'd be saying some of those th- same things about yeah. the resolve. You know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> you know well, what it did, Nick, Joyce? It, it set the tone for the entire ceremony. I don't think I've ever seen a crowd that was so uh, uh, rapt in their attention uh, when, as when that blessing was delivered, because it, it said in so many different ways, this is serious business, folks. We're here to celebrate, but we're also undertaking some solemn obligations to see that this law works for the benefit of everyone. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that that really set the day, didn't it? That really set the day. Well, Dickie and Jenny, what would you say that day was like for President Bush? Well, it's pretty hard to describe uh, how another person uh, feels, but I, I was told consistently after President Bush left office that this was one of his proudest accomplishments, the Americans with Disabilities Act, and it's one that he believed in. And I can only imagine uh, that... Uh, he felt an enormous sense of fulfillment. He knew he was among friends, uh, kindred spirits, people who lived uh, uh, under the uh, shadow of uh, discrimination and uh, lack of, of entitlement, and who were now emerging from that thanks to the action of the Congress and 
when he signed his name to that bill, I'm sure he must have felt a tremendous uh, uh, pride and relief that that task was done. Uh, he was an extraordinary man, as you know. I I thought a great deal of, of President Bush, and due to this day, uh, he was one of the finest uh, public servants uh, that I ever encountered and a very decent human being, as shown, I think, by his instincts in supporting and and pressing for the passage of the Americans with Disabilities Act. And you know, Jack, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Jenny. Go ahead. Just that uh, the Bush family has encountered disability and, and had through their children. And I think the fact that Barbara, Mrs. Bush, was on the platform with her husband, I doubt that that was typically, uh, that she was typically there. Uh, and it just showed that this from, was a family decision for them. This was deeply important, not only for the nation, but for President George H.W. Bush. Yes. And I had the great pleasure, thanks to Tony Quello, of getting to know Doro Bush, Doro Cook, uh, who is a really a wonderful person and wrote the book, My Father, My President, and she, and has that scene in the book about when he signs the Americans with Disabilities Act. And I know she's told me many times that that was, some, that was his day. That yep. he will, yeah, that was his day. And, and, and he can be so proud, uh, and we are all proud as people with disabilities that he did do that. Well, I think we have a caller on the line here. Do we have Judy on the line? We do. Judy, go ahead. Hi, Joyce. Uh, Governor Thornburg, Mrs. Thornburg. Uh, my name is Judy Painter. I'm with the, I'm the executive director of the Epilepsy Foundation in Western and Central Pennsylvania. Hi, Judy. How are you? Good, and, fine. Uh, very proud to have you both from Pittsburgh. Uh, and uh, I grew up with a brother who is in his 50s now that it, uh, was diagnosed as being MR. And uh, if it weren't, I was talking to Joyce uh, prior to the program and saying, oh, my gosh, you're having, uh, uh, you know, Governor and Jenny Thornburg on today. I said, if it weren't for them, Pennsylvania would probably still be in the dark ages as far as helping people with disabilities are concerned. And I just want to extend to you, you know, my, my, my you know, gratefulness for all the things that you've done for all people with disabilities and continue to do. And I was so touched by that prayer. You know, um, it, it's, your call is such an example. Those of us who have disabilities or who have a family member or a, a beloved neighbor, uh, we experience this bill in a different way. Right. Um, and all Americans approve of this bill, I believe, or most of them do. But you understand from your family situation what how important this bill is, and uh, that's the same. That's what Peter Thornburg, our our beloved son, has taught us. He has rights as an American, as a human being, and um, the Americans with Disability Act helps nail down those rights for his life. Right, and if it hadn't been for the two of you, <clears throat> I'm not saying this still would be going on. But warehousing people with disabilities would have gone on a lot longer in Pennsylvania. You were the leaders in the country in not doing that and not taking people 
with mental disabilities or mental retardation and and you know either living in of course in the case of my family you know they considered this god's will that they would take care of this child for the rest of their lives well of course my parents passed away although they were in their 90s they still passed away and there was there was still a need for you know services for you know my brother who as i say is now in his 50s but i i you know i mean you became the leaders in recognizing the need for you know services for for you know people in 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 those circumstances you know that 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 the world could not just leave them or try to warehouse them in some sort of institution well, and you're very generous in your today but we were through the just community uh, soldiers in a mighty army. Uh, excuse me, Dick. I'm sorry, ahead. Dick. What'd you say? I, I said that's when a you very generous appraisal, I... but uh, we were just soldiers in a mighty army of, of people who accomplished these goals. Oh, I know. I I know you had a lot of people working with you, but I know it, it, it takes uh, uh, the leadership of of people like you to to make those things happen. You know, uh, uh, we're all soldiers, I agree with you, but uh, just extending my appreciation, I thought the prayer was lovely. Hold on on one minute there, Judy. Jenny, Mm -hmm. what were you saying? Just that this battle for the right to live in community, Mm -hmm. to turn off your lights at night when you want to, to have the foods that you choose, to have the people assisting you whom you choose to assist you. Right. This battle it, right, is, is going on right now. Yes, it and is. And the attention, Joyce, you've brought and others to the Community Choice Act, so important. And thank goodness for Nickel that that, that is uh, a cause very, very dear to their hearts. So we have made progress, but in this case, uh, the right to live in community, we have a long way to go. We, we do. do. And, and, and Judy, thank yes. you for what you are doing for people with epilepsy in the state of Pennsylvania and nationally. Well, it's my honor. And, well, it's an honor uh, to have you. Thank you all so much. Thank, have a wonderful thank day, you. and congratulations on this act once more. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. You know what, Dick, I was telling Jenny before that in my office, on my wall, is a shadow box that I purchased at a Dread of Fundraiser many, many years ago. And, you know, I'm at this fundraiser, and they're saying, oh, we have all kinds of things. We even have, you can go to Hollywood and go on the set for this one TV show, I think it was Friends, <laughs> uh, or you could go meet this one TV star, or they had this shadow box, which was put together by guess who? Evan Kemp's wife. Oh, my. <laughs> yes, and it has uh, in the middle, at the bottom, right in the center, a photograph of of that day of the president, and he is reaching over and he is shaking hands with Evan Kemp. And right behind him is uh, the first lady, and she's just turning her head around to look at those two shaking hands. But who had been shaking hands with her was uh, Harold Wilkie, and behind her is... Vice President, the Vice President, Quayle. And then, and then right above it is one of those pens. You bet. That's and, a and then treasure. there's a poster, <clears throat> I'm not a poster, a pin that says ADA and a ticket to the White House, uh, the ADA, uh, Title I, here's the best part, two index cards with his notes that he was working on preparing for introducing the president. 
How are you doing? So, of course, now you know I had to have that. <laughs> I mean, that was it. This is what I had to have, and it is my pride and joy. I've had this for years, and it is just, I've always loved this so much, and it means so much to me. But I brought that up because uh, sometimes we forget about this man, Evan Kemp. But he was there that day. Yes, he and was. He, and, I, you know, Joyce, I wonder if it's, uh, it would be useful to talk a little bit about Evan for some of your listeners who may never have heard of him before. Uh, Evan was uh, he graduated from law school in 1964 at the University of Virginia. Uh, top 10% of his class looked like a prime candidate to be a great lawyer. But he walked with a bit of a lurch because he had a form of muscular dystrophy that he'd acquired at birth. When Evan applied for uh, jobs at, I think, a total of 39 or 40 different law firms, each one of them rejected him. This is back in the 60s. So he took a government job, went with the IRS, then with the SEC, and there he was denied a, a promotion uh, after an injury had forced him to use a, a wheelchair, and he filed a discrimination suit against the SEC, against the government. And he won that suit. And so when later on uh, he was uh, in government service, it was only appropriate that he became a commissioner of the uh, Equal Opportunity Commission and then the EEOC chairman uh, under President Bush. So when he came to sit by the president when that law was signed on July 26, 1990, he had earned it. Now, of course, Evan's no longer with us, but his wife Janine is, and, and folks like the rest of us keep his memory alive. But what a wonderful story. If you talk about tenacity and resolve, Evan Kemp personified it and uh, made contributions that could never be repaid to people with disabilities in this country. What a story, eh? Yes, that is a great story, and he's centerpiece in my office, so I never forget about him. But that's, I ask you about him for the reason you said. You know, other people may not know that name, but now you do. Evan Kemp, K-E-M-P, also part of that great day. You well, bet. hey, we have another caller on the line, I think, here. Hold on a minute. Um, oh, my goodness, that could be me. Is that you, Carol? Yes, it is. That's you, Carol. This yeah. is Joyce. How are you doing, Carol? Oh, it's Carol Glazer from the National Organization on Disability, and uh, this feels like a family gathering, <laughs> and it's just so wonderful to hear your voices. Hi, Ginny. How are you? Hello, Carol. Hi, so Carol. Fabulous. Well, I, I was calling with a, with a plug uh, just to let uh, your viewers, your audience know, Joyce, that we're, uh, NOD is about to release two new Harris Polls. Uh, this year with funding from the Kessler Foundation, and we're calling them the Kessler NOD polls by Harris. And one is going to be the, t the traditional GAPS poll that measures uh, 10 different quality of life indicators from transportation, housing, employment, income, voting, socializing, uh, access to places of worship, as, as Ginny knows so well. And that's going to be re released in another week or so in time for the 20th anniversary of the ADA, and Joyce would love to come and, and talk about the results. Some of them are, are going to be inspiring, and some of them are going to show us that we still have our work cut out for us. So, oh, my. A uh, really important story. And then in October, we're going to be releasing a, a, a poll 
on employment trends. And, and Ginny, that's a, a redo of a poll that Harris did for NOD in 1996. And there we're going to be able to see where we've come as a country, where employers have come, where we surveyed 400 employers, uh, having done so in 1996. And there again, it's going to show that we as a country and we as, as a movement have our work cut out for us. But I wanted to mention that. And, and then I, I had a question, and that is um, my experience, most of my life, my professional life experience is in the civil rights movement, the, the movement for, um, and the women's rights movement, the, the, the movement for equality of, of racial and ethnic and, and, um, and gender. And um, the way I see it, with the Equal Rights uh, Act of 1964 and the ADA of 1990, our movement might be about 20 to 25 years behind that, that earlier civil rights movement. I have some of my own ideas about why, but I wondered, I wondered what you all think about that, and first of all, whether, whether that's true, and if so, why it might be so. Carol, I think you're right. I think uh, there is a time lag there, and it was a very potent argument that we used with uh, uh, senators and congressmen who were on the fence, uh, in effect saying, isn't it about time that we extended all of those guarantees and uh, rights to uh, that had been given to uh, minorities and to women and to uh, others uh, to people with disabilities, and it was a it was a potent argument to make. Mm -hmm. uh, why I think uh, it uh, languished for so long was that I think that uh, uh, there was not the kind of uh, critical mass of of uh, leadership uh, in Washington and in the state capitals to get the job done to mobilize people and. That was such a tumultuous time, and there was so much on the agenda that without that kind of leadership, uh, I think the uh, uh, concerns about people with disability kind of uh, receded into the background. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's right, Dick. I think. Um, be well, nice I'm, to, and to Dick, I'm not John sure Kennedy. that we, as a disability community, had our act together. Uh, my remembrance is that we were, those of us who cared about the blind were working on yeah. blind issues and the deaf on deaf issues, yeah. and those of us had, who had children who had mental retardation were just focusing narrowly. The old and phenomenon the sense, of silos. <laughs> the sense that we all are one community had really not come about. Yes, that's right. And what's, what's going to be interesting without... Um, without um, giving away too much information, because I don't have it all, but one of the things that, that, that we are going to show in the Harris poll where we've made some progress is on education. And what's very yeah. interesting about that is that parents, as Ginny and I have talked about so often, parents have been so united, in, even though the disabilities are different and they have all the same reasons for being siloed as the rest of our community, Parents have just figured out a way to put everything else aside and just fight like the Dickens for their kids. And what a, we should not be surprised that we've made some real gains in education. Yeah. That's good news Carol, about congratulations the polls. I, I think, to NOD said, uh, on these Harris surveys. Yeah. 
they have been essential to our community over the years, and it's it's thrilling to know we can anticipate two more coming yes, along. Yes, and we're we're very thankful for, to to the Kessler Foundation for for providing that 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 very very hard to come by money in order to undertake both polls this year. They've been tremendously supportive and. We really and, and also, Carol, thank you very much for calling in. Um, I, too, will be interested when this comes out, and somehow I know I'm not going to be happy with employment. Well, that could be, Joyce. Yeah, we, 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 we have our work cut out for us. Yeah. All right. Hey, Carol, thank you. And Carol's you, with Joyce. the National Organization on Disability. Carol, thank you so much for calling in. Good. Good to hear from you, too, Dick and Jenny. Wonderful. Well done. Take care. Hey, Jenny, uh, before, you know, anytime I have you two on, why is this? I never get through all my questions. <laughs> why is that? Hey, the answers before, are too before long. Before we probably. go any further, there is one quick thing, though, I want to talk about. Jenny, would you mind talking about what you do at AAPD? Well, Joyce, you're one of my bosses, you're on the executive committee of the American Association of People now, with now Disabilities. Now, this is something I've never thought of, that I'm Jenny Thornburg's boss. Okay, but go <laughs> well, ahead, Jenny. I'm, I'm very respectful of that. Uh, we have, as you know, uh, a superior leader in Andy Imperato, uh, who is leading us forward as a cross-disability organization, picking critical issues where we can make a difference. And I'm honored to be um, the head, the director of the Interfaith Initiative. Uh, that means I work with congregations and seminaries, helping them become not just welcoming, but helping them become hospitable, identifying barriers of architecture, communication, and attitude. But also, Andy has me helping organize the religious community, meaning the denominations and faith groups, so they, they have a stronger, deeper understanding of what issues are important to us in the disability community. And we formed something called the Interfaith Disability Advocacy Coalition, IDAC, and very exciting. We have members from the Christian, Jewish, uh, Islamic, and Hindu communities on that. So I, my, my joy in the last 22 years of this work has been that the principles of welcome and hospitality, the things that change a congregation or a seminary, are the same in an Orthodox synagogue as they are in a Catholic parish, as they are in, in an Islamic mosque. It, it, there is a, a polite and a hospitable way to greet someone, to assist somebody, to offer opportunities of leadership, and it really doesn't matter what the congregation is. And so that's my great joy and that I'm learning so much working for Andy and being a part of his team. So uh, and I am. I am honored to be on that board and work with with Andy and with all of you. And let me just point out to you, if you go to aapd.com, aapd.com, you can not only read more about the work Jenny does, you can follow information about what's going to happen when we celebrate next uh, July 26, coming up very soon here, the 20th anniversary of the ADA, because all that information 
is on the front page. So you really need to go there and check that out so you can be caught up. AAPD.com. Well, Dick and Jenny, you have done so much. I know I've asked you this before, but over the past year, or years, really, and I would say for each one of you, what would you say you are the proudest of? Dick, I'll start with you. Well, I think probably uh, in the in the field of, of disability, I'm proud of the fact that I've been able to use uh, my official position to uh, better the circumstances for people with all kinds of disabilities uh, in all parts of the country and during my stint at the United Nations to have some impact there on what goes on uh, around the world and looking after the needs of some 500 million people with disabilities. Uh, we now have a new UN convention that I worked on uh, prior to its passage. And uh, for me, uh, as I said, the meaning that comes from this kind of activity is reflected in uh, how my son Peter lives in the community, how he has his friends and his uh, work that keeps him occupied. He works as a full-time volunteer at the local food bank, how he's found uh, uh, comfort in a, a religious congregation. And I think I want that kind of life and those kinds of opportunities for everyone with disabilities. And I know it's going to be a long pull, but uh, it's been very fulfilling for me to have a very small role in trying to advance that uh, goal. That is wonderful. And, Jenny, before you, and I'm going to tell you, uh, Dick, before Jenny makes her comment, Jenny, I just want to say one thing. While you were talking, you know, we're online on Facebook, so I just want to mention a comment for you that was sent to me from a Mike Thornton. Hi, Joyce. I took this transcript of the blessing, and I now have posted it in my notes area. So, Jenny, good job. You're on your way. Good job, Jenny. You're already making an impact. <laughs> no, no Harold Wilkie, the Reverend Harold Wilkie made an impact. But you got it out there, Jenny. <laughs> That fast. That is amazing. All right, go ahead, Jenny. How about you? What are you the proudest of? Well, I, I'm, I, I, I am proudest of my four sons. I have four sons, and they are my gift to this world. And that's the proudest contribution I make is being their mom, and being Dick's wife. I, I know. The answer was supposed to be a disability answer. No, no. <laughs> the answer is the truthful answer. Yeah, I've... yeah. It's it's that's the most important job I've ever been given is to be their mom, and uh, work and and they're all adults and they're doing great. But I still, you know, the prayers and the tears and the joy is just as intense as if they were small boys. Yes. And what a thrill! This is. Peter's 50th birthday this year. Oh, that's great. And when I look back at the time of the accident uh, in which he was injured and he lost his first mom, 
none of these laws and regulations and none of the outreach that we enjoy today was evident in our country at that time. In 1960, we had no ADA. We had none of the uh, counterpart legislation in regard to health and, and education and legal rights. Uh, and there was really uh, the lives of people with disabilities were uh, well-kept secrets. And to think what's happened during his lifetime uh, because of a lot of people of goodwill and determination is truly inspiring. And it seems to me provides a real justification for those of us who have been privileged to work in this effort to know that you can make a difference in public life uh, by your devotion to a cause. Well, Jack, wow. Do you have another message for our listeners you can leave with us? Just, I think, to remember that there are always needs out there to be met and that oftentimes it requires a great deal of patience and persistence to get the job done, whether you're a a prominent political official uh, or just a mom and a dad, because in the final analysis, it's the moms and dads and the families in this country that are going to make a difference as to whether we continue to grow and thrive or whether we uh, languish. And uh, I think that uh, people assuming their responsibilities uh, in their families, in their homes, in their communities, uh, is the best thing we can do for the future of this country and of our civilization. And I would add to that, Joyce, um, our obligation to be informed, uh, whether we're a parent or a person with disability or a family member, to be informed, be well-informed, and, a, and something Dick's taught me, pick and choose your battles. You can't be all out after everything. Be focused in your life and in your work, and then give to others, uh, because that, of course, is the greatest blessing of all, when one gives to others. Amen. And if, as I've said before, if it wouldn't be for the good Lord, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing right now. So amen to that. I'm going to leave you with these thoughts. First, Jenny and Dick, may I thank you as a woman living with epilepsy and someone that works in the disability community and someone from the state of Pennsylvania. (laughs) How proud I am to say that you are my governor and you are my first lady and that I know Dick and Jenny Thornburg. I love you, we all love you, and thank you for what you've done for all of us. God bless you, Joyce. Yes, and I have to leave with a quote from a famous civil rights leader. So, Jenny, ready for this? Ready, Jenny? Okay, patriots, lead on. Uh. Lead on no matter what. Says Justin. Justin Dark. Justin Dark. Yeah, see you next week. Bye-bye. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, Voice America.